Well, today's scripture comes from Numbers chapter 26. Um, and you might have noticed that, that we just put the whole chapter there. And it's going to be too much for us to read together. It, it's kind of like a big, uh, it's a census. And so there's lots of names and numbers. And so uh, instead of reading that, uh, we're going to read it, uh, parts of it at least, in the course of the sermon. So we're just going to go right into the sermon, if that's okay. All right. Uh, so today's message is called Names and Numbers, and uh, it, it is part of our Firm Foundation series where we are talking about um, the story of God as, as we've been tracking it through Scripture. We've been going through the Old Testament uh, it, through a new covenant lens, through a, a lens of, of being a Christ follower, because I think sometimes we read the Bible and we don't know what to make of all of this stuff. You know, and sometimes uh, uh, some of the stuff in uh, the first five books of, of the Bible, especially with all the laws and things like that, can be uh, very overwhelming when you're reading it. And one of the books that is difficult to read, not because it's difficult or it's difficult to understand, but just sometimes we just, it, it might feel like a slog when you get to the book of Numbers and you just see just, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's a census of the people of Israel up to that point. And, and, you know, you just see all these numbers and all these names. And what do we do with that? What is the significance of that? Do you just kind of like, just kind of skip through it? I think that's probably what most of us do. And that's usually what I've done when I read the book of numbers. I'm just like, oh, okay, you know, Manasseh, Ephraim, uh, you know, all this stuff. And you just kind of keep going, you know, and just, uh, but I, I will say that recently, as I've been kind of going through scripture again, um, that it struck me different this time when I went through the book of Numbers. And I want to share with you some of the things that God revealed to me that, you know, maybe when you read Numbers, you won't be like super excited. You know, you won't, won't be like, wow. <laughs> but at least for me, it struck me different. And there was something that, that kind of, it, it filled my cup, so to speak. You know, it gave me life when I read it from this perspective. So I want to share with you. And, you know, I just want to recognize that that numbers can be difficult for us because numbers seem so impersonal. And sometimes there have been times through human history where people have replaced people's names with numbers, and they did it on purpose. And so this is a marking um, on somebody who was in a concentration camp in, in Germany, uh, in, in the 1940s. And so this was a, during a time when uh, Nazi Germany, they, they rounded up all these people that they thought of as being different or dangerous or inferior. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of Jewish people, but there were also people of uh, different religions or, you know, people that, that they just, you know, uh, people that they considered to be kind of enemies. And uh, in, in many ways, what they did by giving them a number and taking away their name, in many ways, it was meant to strip them of their humanity. And obviously, a lot of people know how the story ended for so many people. Not everyone who was in a concentration camp died, but so many did. They were exterminated. And we're like, how can you do that to another human being who's got a name and who has a story and a history and a family? And to be honest, I think one of the ways you do that is by taking away their name, by just making them a number, right? You know, hey, we're just processing these numbers. You know, we're, we're, we're not really killing people, you know? 
And so, in many ways, we, we understand that when you just see like a list of numbers, you know, if you're just to see census data, you know, it wouldn't mean as much to you. In fact, that they say that you could hear a statistic about like, you know, how many people are, are hungry or how many people die from extreme poverty, you know, how many people suffer under extreme poverty. And it's, it's, it's a lot. You know, I won't quote the numbers for you, but I mean, you know, it's like, like in the billions, right? And I, I mean, you know, what do you do with billions? What do you do with numbers like that? And for many of us, we don't do much. It's hard for us to process that. Now, if you hear a story, if I were to tell you the story about a little boy named Haram, and this boy, you know, he, he, he just... Uh, his family just didn't have a, this is not a true story, by the way. <laughs> Don't, I'm making this up. <laughs> this isn't this Hadam. It's, it's, it's Hadam Jang. It's a different Hadam. Uh, <laughs> but, so, 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 so this little boy, his family, you know, they, they, they couldn't make ends meet. They, they didn't have enough money to buy food, at least not every day. And, and so they would buy enough rice that they could share a bowl of rice to eat every other day for the entire family. So little Haram, you know, uh, before he went to school, he got a little portion of rice. And, you know, his, his, his parents, they, they loved him so much that they, they, they gave him a little bit more, about, about, about this much, about the, the size of, you know, a little bit bigger than a quarter, that, that much rice. And they gave it to little Haram because they loved him. You know, the, the parents didn't eat that morning. But little Haram, they wanted him to eat. So little Haram, he's, he's eating the rice, and a little piece of rice just sticks on his cheek. And, and when he's at school that day, um, he, he can feel the rice on his cheek, but he just leaves it there. He leaves it there just so at lunchtime, when all the other kids are eating, he can just take that little piece of rice and just, just have something to eat. I completely made that story up. It's not true, right? There's, like I said, I mean, I just looked at Adam and gave the kid the name Adam. But maybe some of you started to feel sorry for little Adam. That was completely made up. You know, but what if you were to hear the story of just one person, just one person who went hungry? And in many ways, it moves us more than when you hear the statistics of a billion people going hungry. Why is that? Because in many ways, the numbers sort of remove the humanity. But when you hear the name, even a fake name, right? When you can picture little Haram, you know, having that little rice, and you can picture the faces of his parents looking at him and just, you know, worrying about him. And you can picture that the one little grain of rice stuck on his cheek, right? It has a way of moving us, you know? And, and friends, in many ways, um, when we look at the Bible and we look at the story of God and when we even think about God, there is a multitude, a multitude of names, that there's so many stories and there's so many people and, and, and you know, you get to numbers and it's just a dump of numbers, right? All of these people, you know? And, and so understandably, just in the same way when you hear a statistic and you hear large numbers of people, we just kind of tune out. We don't know how to process that information. But like I said, when, when I've been reading through the book of Numbers now, it's been striking me differently. And, and I, I just want to show you that, um, you know, maybe I can take you through this process a little bit. And you can see 
kind of what, what I'm starting to see, at least, or, you know, what God is revealing to me. And so um, it, 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 in different parts in, in Numbers, they count the people. And so this is from Numbers 26. And in verse 4, um, it says, Take a census of the people from 20 years old and upward, as the Lord commanded Moses. The people of Israel who came out of the land of Egypt were dot, dot, dot. And then you just get a whole bunch of names, right? And, and what's going to happen through the book of Numbers is that it's going to basically take the 12 tribes of Israel and then start talking about their descendants, right? And so, you know, the, the sons of Reuben were this person and this person and this person, and then their sons were this person, this person, this person. And it takes it down a few generations, right? And the numbers of the people and, and, and by the way, it's only the men that are counted. Only the men who are of age who can go to war. Now, maybe some of you are thinking like, okay, so this is what they're doing. It's like a draft, right? They're trying to figure out how many people they have who can fight. But it's not quite that. It, it, it's a way of, of taking stock of all of the people. And in many ways, friends... It's not just to say like, oh, okay, we know how many people who are here, but it's a way of counting each and every one. And and God asks the people to do this. Why? Why? Why why is there a book of the Bible devoted to this? Why why is there so many times where, you you know, like even in in, um, the Gospels, you know, two of the Gospels have an extensive genealogy Right? What is that? It's a record of the people that you can trace their lineage from Adam to Jesus. Right? And, and, and so they take all of the people and, and they just, you know, this person uh, had a son and his name was this and then this and then this and then this and then this to Joseph to Jesus. Right? And again, friends, you might be thinking like, okay, what is this all about? So if you remember Abraham and Adam, I mean, to be honest, uh, you know, those are the two that kind of stick out amongst the the early uh, folks because, you know, for Adam, obviously the, the, the first human being, but Adam, if you remember, walked in the garden with God. Just think about that for a moment. Walked in the garden openly with God. And, and I mean, you know, <laughs> you guys probably know this if you've seen any Renaissance art. Adam was butt naked, right? He had no clothes on, right? No shame, nothing to hide, right? But what happens when sin enters the world? What happens? The man and the woman, they hide. And you remember what happens? This is extraordinary. It's extraordinary. God, the all-powerful God who had created the heavens and the earth and had created these humans, looks around and can't find them. Adam, Eve, where'd you go? It's like a messed up sinful game of Marco Polo, right? Adam, where are you? Now, obviously, God knows. But, but just think about that for a moment. Obviously, God knows where Adam is, but he's calling to Adam because Adam is hiding himself from God. And in many ways, sin, it, it obscures us 
from God in a way that we don't always sense or know that God is there with us, right? Isn't that the human predicament that so many of us have? We, we don't feel this closeness with God where we're just kind of like you know, strolling with God hand in hand, just skipping through a park, right? God, I see you. And God's like, yeah, I see you, right? And, and we just have this kind of like, we, we're known. Have you ever felt unknown? Have you ever felt like a nobody, like nobody sees you? I mean, this is why it's so painful for us to be alone, right? Remember what God said from the very beginning in Genesis. He said, it is not good for the man to be alone. It is not good for humans to be alone. But so many of us, we feel alone, and and we know there's other people there. But did you know you can feel alone even when you're surrounded by people? I, I used to say this, that... Uh, uh, the, the, the biggest city I ever lived in, uh, for, I lived there for a year, was Seoul, Seoul, Korea. It's one of the densest cities in the world, which means that you're just always around people, right? You can't get away from people. And during my year there, at times, I've never felt so lonely. I know for a lot of us, we are very isolated. But maybe some of you, you're in a house full of people, or at least not far from people. And maybe for some of us, we feel so alone. Has there ever been a time where, you know, maybe you just feel like overlooked? You just feel like people don't see you. Maybe you, you, you can sort of understand, you know, Adam and Eve just kind of cowering in the bushes somewhere, you know, feeling ashamed. And I mean, maybe it's not even just, just shame or for whatever reason, they don't feel seen. Adam, Eve, where are you? And they don't want to be seen, but they're definitely not seen. And yes, sin has a way of doing that when we feel like like we are, you know, we're in the wrong, right? We have a reason to hide. But many of us, we just don't feel significant. This is one of the powers of social media. You know, one of the, the most brilliant things they did with social media is that they had a way for people to respond to your posts. It's seriously one of the things that makes social media so addictive and so powerful is you're putting something out there in the world. And, and I got to tell you, if you've ever published anything, you know, you, you've ever posted on a forum on a website or, you know, you did anything where it's just out there. It's kind of frightening and you feel exposed and you're kind of like, how is this going to be received? Do I look like an idiot? Do, do I sound smart? Is, is what I'm sharing with the world valuable? And that one little thing where you just have a little like button, that, that little bing, that little thumbs up, you're like, oh, you know, or you see all these people like your comment. All these people have seen your comment and approve of it. It's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe for some of you, you've just gotten so used to it. We've gotten desensitized. But man, I got to tell you, especially in the early days of like Facebook and Instagram, you know, I mean, there are times I would post something and it's so silly. You know, I'm like, you know, in my 40s, but I'm sitting there like, do you think I'm pretty? (laughs) You know, it it kind of feels like that. It's like, do they like my comment? And I just kind of like, you know, unconsciously just keep going back. Did somebody see it? Did somebody like it? And I got to tell you, man, you, you, you kind of feel a little bit like a loser when you go like a whole 24 hours and there's not a single like, right? Nobody saw it. (laughs) nobody sees me, you know? I mean, how would it feel if you were in a room and somebody literally didn't see you? 
they, they just kind of like, like ran into you or just stepped on you, right? Oh, I didn't see you there, you know? What if they didn't even acknowledge that? You weren't even worth that. There is something within us that we all want to be seen. And through the senses, I think this is what God is doing. He's like, I see you. I see you. I see you. And remember, I said that, that you, you've got Adam, and then you've got Abraham, and then the descendants of Abraham, right? We, we, we got Abraham, who was called the friend of God. It's an amazing title, right? Abraham is known by God. And then you got Isaac, his son, and then Jacob, who has these 12 sons that become the 12 tribes of Israel. And there's so much in this that is about the relationship that these people have with God, right? I know sometimes we get caught up in this whole like chosen people and whatever. It just means that they are God's people. They have this relationship with God that is special, right? They are seen. They are known. They are blessed. Now, as the the generations go, right, And, and, and there's so much that happens, the people of Israel, they get enslaved by Egypt. And there are probably times where they're like, God, where are you? Where are you, God? Do you even care about us right now? And, and if you remember, what happened was, was uh, that, that Joseph, who was one of the sons of Jacob, of Israel, that he moves his whole family down to Egypt, and he was known by Pharaoh. But after Pharaoh dies, a few generations pass, and the new Pharaohs don't know Joseph. That, that, or, that, that's what it says uh, in the scripture, that the, the Pharaoh forgot Joseph, doesn't see Joseph, doesn't care about Joseph, and they just become numbers. Hey, we got all these people. I don't know who they are. I don't know how they got here. I don't really care. Let's make them slaves. Let's make them work for us. They look a little bit different. You know, they're, they're, they're not ethnically the same as us. Let's make them work for us. And probably the whole people are like, God, I, I, I know you know, I know that you knew Adam. I know that you knew Abraham and Sarah. I know that you knew Jacob and Rachel and Leah. What about me? And, and then, you know, they miraculously get, get uh, uh, liberated from Egypt, and they're here wandering in the desert, and the people grow. There, there's hundreds of thousands of people at this point, if not in the millions. There's so many people, and they're there, and they're in a desert. And they're worried about, hey, are we going to have food to eat? What if these people come and kill us? We don't have, we, we don't have any protection. We don't have a home, right? They haven't gone into the promised land yet that we talked about last week. But they have this promise. And then before God fulfills that promise, he says, let's count the people. Name them. List them. Every single one. Hundreds of thousands. Now, some of you are saying, but Pastor Steve, they didn't count everyone. They only counted the men. Now, obviously, they didn't even count all the men. Well, they did count all the men, but they didn't list all the men here because your Bible would be like 
2,000 pages long, right? If they listed all the people, because it's like hundreds of thousands of people, if not into the millions, right? But what is happening is that each male that is listed there represents a family. And all of the families are accounted for. There's not a single one that escapes God's notice. And, and maybe if some of you uh, are like, yeah, but Pastor Steve, you know, it just feels like very male-dominated. Let me show you that it's not just about, uh, it, like, only the men matter. But in Numbers 26, 33 through 34, um, th- this isn't uh, up there, but I'll just read this for you. It says, now, Zelophehad, had, so he's one of the people uh, in the clan of uh, uh, Manasseh. And, and it says that Zelophehad, the son of Hefer, had no sons but daughters. And the names of the daughters of Zelophehad were Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milcah, and Tirzah. These are the clans of Manasseh, and those listed were 52,700. So in one of these branches off of the, the tribes of Israel, that one of the branches, there were no sons. So what did they say? Well, only the sons matter. No. They're like, well, he had daughters, so what are the names of his daughters? Right? So there should not be a single person who is reading the numbers at this time when the census is happening that they probably can trace back their lineage and say, yeah, yeah, that's my great-grandfather. That's my great-grandmother. Right? It is a way of God saying, I see you. Right? And even for this family that don't have sons, it is a patriarchal society. It is a male-dominated society, right? I mean, you know, I'm just being honest about that. But even with this family that doesn't have sons, they're like, we still see you. And we're going to write the names of the daughters to make sure that you are not forgotten. Right? It's pretty cool. And then in verse 51, it says, um, this was the list of the people of Israel. 601,730. And so there may have been even more when you account for women and children, right? And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, among these, the land shall be divided for inheritance according to the number of names. To a large tribe, you shall give a large inheritance. And to a small tribe, you shall give a small inheritance. Every tribe shall be given its inheritance in proportion to its list. But the land shall be divided by lot. According to the names of the tribes of their fathers, they shall inherit. Their inheritance shall be divided according to a lot between the larger and the smaller. So now you start to see what's happening. God wants to account for all the people to say, I see you, 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 and you have a place. You have an inheritance. You have a lot in this home that I'm going to give you, into this nation that I am creating. All of you will have land. All of you will have an inheritance. All of you will have a place. It doesn't matter how small you are. You'll have a place. Of course, if you have more people, then we have to give you more land. It only makes sense. But even the smallest will have land. That doesn't always happen, right? In this country, uh, one of the, the real tragedies uh, after the Civil War was we emancipated all these slaves. We didn't give them any land. They're like, okay, you're free. 
what are you going to do? And a really messed up thing in the South, oftentimes what they would do is that they would arrest the people who were just wandering around the streets because they're like, hey, you're loitering. Why don't you go home? What home? You took us from Africa, right? We've been here several generations, and we've been slaves. What home? And then we actually put a bunch of people in jail, and guess what they did with the people in jail? They put them to work in the plantations. It's just another way of getting slaves again. Now, obviously, that didn't last forever, but there's this idea that if you want to really see people, right? I mean, you need to provide for them, right? I mean, you know, you need to care about their well-being, you know? If you really think that people matter, you know, in a lot of times, uh, even in like, I mean, you know, this is just my background, but Korean culture, one of the things that people do is like, like when you see someone, you know, they don't even really say hi. I mean, sometimes they do, but older people, oftentimes they don't say hi. You know what they say? They're, they say, have you eaten? <laughs> what is that? What kind of greeting is that? It's about, hey, I want to make sure you're taken care of. This is what God is doing. I see you. I see the needs of my people. And there's not a single one of my people that is not going to be cared for. That's what's happening in this passage, right? Each and every person is cared for. And so when I read those names now, it strikes me different. I'm like, God, you see us. You see all your people. It's not just the, the, the big hitters, right? The Abrahams, Moses, and, you know, uh, you know Sarah, and, and all of these people who are sort of like the celebrities of the Bible. But they are representatives of all the people of God. And all of the people of God are seen and noted and numbered. Not a single one escapes the notice of God. You know, Jesus echoes this when he talks about just recognizing that people might have fears. And uh, this, this is uh, in the gospel, according to Luke. Um, I believe this is uh, Luke chapter 7. Um, it's, it, this is where uh, Jesus is talking to people where, where they're so afraid. They're so afraid that they could get hurt, or that people might harm them. And, and Jesus is trying to tell them not to be afraid. And he says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Now, maybe some of you are thinking, like, those are some cheap sparrows, man. <laughs> you know, the equivalent of two pennies for them. I mean, it, it didn't literally say two pennies, but they're trying to tell us these sparrows are worthless. And not one of them is forgotten before God. I want to read that again. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. There's some of us that we walk through this world just feeling like we're worthless. There's other people, they are seen because they're doing big, important things. You know, they're getting into certain schools that have a name. And, and because of that, we're like, oh, hey, have you heard about so-and-so? He's going to this school or that school. You hear about this person? They got this job. They're making this much money. You know, this person, they're a YouTube celebrity or whatever the case may be. And we think that those people are seen. There's so many of us, we have a, a, such a, 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 you know, we're so drawn to fame because of this idea that I am seen, that I matter. You know, there was an interview with Madonna that, that she talked about that. 
she, she talked about how what, what drove her to be successful and, and to want the spotlight was this idea that just for a moment, when people saw her, you know, singing, you know, when people listened to her songs, when, when, when people uh, went to her concerts, she's like, for that moment, I matter. And she's saying, for that moment, I am seen. And then it goes away and she's got to do something else to be seen again, Right? And maybe for many of us, we don't feel like, uh, like even close to a Madonna or, you know, to, to like, like, you know, a, a president or, you know, maybe even there's people that you look at that you're like, if I could just be them, if I could just have their life, then I wouldn't matter. Maybe you feel like one of those five sparrows. What's two divided by five? <laughs> right? Point four of a penny, it's literally worthless. And yet, not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. Brothers and sisters, this is the faith that, that we practice today. We descend from a great lineage, a great story, that there was once a human being who walked hand in hand with God. We lost that connection somewhere, and many of us, we didn't feel seen. But God wanted to create a people, not just so certain people could be highlighted, but so all of us could be a part of this family of God. So none of us could feel like we were alone or unwanted or meaningless, that all of us could know that we matter. I know there's like, what, 7 billion, 8 billion people on this earth? God sees every single one. I mean, just think about the number of hairs on your head. Even as we were, um, even as we were uh, singing the song this morning, I have to tell you, I, I was very, very moved because um, I was recording the children's sermon. I, I kind of alluded to this, that, um, <laughs> and, and I sang a song in the children's sermon. I got to tell you, man, I, I felt pretty insecure singing that song because I don't have the greatest singing voice. Um, and, uh, you know, I just felt like silly, like, like, does this sound good? And when I was listening to it back, I was like, dude, I should just delete this whole thing. It's terrible, you know? And, and I don't know, man, I felt self-conscious. And even last night, I was like all jittery and I like couldn't go to sleep. And, you know, it's like, I... <laughs> and you know what song I sang? It's a song that, that I don't think we've, I, I, I don't remember ever singing it before on a Sunday. I mean, maybe we have. It's, it's an older song. It's called, He Knows My Name. And we were singing that this morning. And I felt like God was even saying that to me. You know, Adam didn't know that. I don't thank you. Did you watch the children's sermon? <laughs> I posted it pretty late last night. God's saying, Steve, you're going to go up and preach this message. And, you know, last night I know you didn't feel seen. And I want you to know. I want you to know. I see you. Adam, can I call an audible here. 
I know we had a different song queued up, but can we sing He Knows My Name? Is that okay, James? Why, why, why don't we just come up right now? We'll give you a second to do that. <laughs> Let's just take a moment to just think about this. There's, there's just one more story I wanted to share before we sing this song. There's, there's a story of, of uh, these children that were coming up to see Jesus. And the disciples were shooing them away. Remember in the census, it was only grown men that were counted. Children didn't matter in that society. They weren't counted. And so in many ways, the, the disciples are thinking, these children are wasting Jesus' time. They're worthless, right? You should be talking to the important people like us. But this is what Jesus says. He says, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that that one of these little ones should perish. Right? You might think, like, what does it matter if I perish? What if it what does it matter if, if, if I go away? If nobody sees me, if nothing happens with my life. What does it matter? You know, God's got 99 others. But God goes after the one. He knows every single one. There's not one that escapes God's notice. Not a single hair on your head is unknown to our God. Let's just take a moment to just just rest in this knowledge. And Hadam, just whenever you're ready, you can just start playing. God, you know us so completely, even before we were formed, even before we were born, you knew us. You could see the little beginnings of fingernails on our unformed body. You could even see before our hairs were formed. You knew us completely, and you know us now. For any of us who don't feel known, don't feel seen, God, may we be reminded of this truth. You know our name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.